Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. It was a few years ago, and uh, my family and I had a pretty crazy summer. We, we traveled a lot. Um, we just, it was go, go, go. And so as school started back up, we decided that we were going to take a weekend, um, do something fun as a family, so we could have a peaceful family getaway. We didn't want to go too far. So it was Labor Day weekend. We decided we were going to go to New Braunfels. We were going to float the river, go to Schlitterbahn, have fun. And remember, our main goal was to have a peaceful family getaway. So we loaded up the car. And if you're a parent, you know that's a big deal. You get the car all ready to go. It could be one of the most stressful things you've ever done. But it it went smoothly. We got the car loaded up. We loaded up our luxury travel vehicle, the Ford Fusion. Had my wife in the front seat, my two kids in the back, and then our dog Widget. He was in the back as well. We took off. We stopped, and we got breakfast on the way. It went smooth, right? Ordering fast food sometimes can get a little stressful when your kids can't decide what they want. It went smooth. Everything was going good. We were cruising. We were going down the road, having a good time, and then we got to Waco, when we got to Waco, um, we went to this, there was a bridge, it was, and so we, as we pulled up, we get up to it, and we notice we're going 70, because I always go the speed limit, of course, I'm a pastor, right? <laughs> and we notice that all the cars in front of us, all three lanes, slamming on the brakes. So by the time I see it, by the time the cars next to us see it, we all slam on our brakes at the same time and just start skidding towards the cars in front of us. We stopped right before we got there. My next response was to look in the rearview mirror to see who's about to hit us. So I look in the back and all the cars behind all three lanes are doing the same thing and they're skidding all the way and they stop before they get to any of the cars. And as I'm looking, I turn my glance back over to the front of the road and I notice something in the mirror come out of nowhere from the lane beside us to the lane behind us and all of a sudden hit the back of our car. No clue what it was until we see a motorcycle scraping down the side of the interstate on its side with no one on it, just going. And we're in shock. We're looking at each other. So once we see that, I'm like, are you okay? I look back to see if my kids are okay. And as I look back, I'm like, you guys okay? They're like, yes. I notice that there is a man laying on the back of our car, on the trunk, on the back of the windshield. He's got a helmet on thank Jesus, and he's just laying there. Imagine that. I look back to say, hey, kids, are you okay? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So once I figure out that my family's okay, I get out of the car, and I go to the back, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I want to say, dude, are you alive? But if he's not, he's not going to answer, and that would be strange. So I said, dude, are you okay? He's He's not saying anything. He's not moving. So I continue to ask, hey, are you okay? He starts to make noises, I can tell he's in a lot of pain. He's like, oh, oh, I'm like, hey, are you okay? He starts to ask me a question. I don't know what he's saying at first. And as I hear him again, I realize he's asking me, is my wife okay? I'm like, I don't know. I've never met your wife. I don't know 
And so I realized that his wife was on the back of the motorcycle with him. So I go and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I look around and I notice because my door's open because I got out of the car. There were other people on the other side of my door. So I go up and I shut my door and sure enough, his wife is laying on the ground, has a helmet on. So what had happened, he was going, we found out at 75 miles an hour. He must not be a pastor. And he's in the middle lane and he sees everybody stopping in front of him. And so instead of hitting the car, he thought he could swerve over into our lane where we happen to be stopped as well. He hits the back of the car. He lands on the car. Motorcycle goes that way. His wife goes the opposite side, hits the car, the back end of the car. She's laying on the ground. After a while, everybody's safe. You can take a deep breath. Everybody's okay. Um, A lot of bumps, a lot of bruises, a lot of scrapes, a lot of stress. The cops show up eventually. The ambulance shows up eventually. Um, Hours later, the cop tells me, hey, your tow truck will be here in a moment. And I'm like, man, mine? He's like, yeah. He goes, I said, why do I need a tow truck? He said, sir, your muffler is on the ground. So I look up under the car. Sure enough, it's down there. Work out with our insurance. They're going to take, the the tow truck is going to take us to um, to get a rental car, right? So um, the tow truck, they get there and remember who's all with me. So myself, my wife, my two kids and our dog load up in the tow truck. They take us to a rental car place and we go to the rental car place. We walk in and I say, hey, I need a rental car. They're like, awesome, sir. We'd love to help you. And they're like, are y'all, y'all why the wreck? And we're like, yeah, that's us. Thanks. And so we get out and I, he says, I just need a card. And so I give him my card. He said, sir, um, is this a credit card or a debit card? So it's a debit card. I'm sorry, sir. Unless your debit card is from Waco, which clearly it's not, we can't accept that. We have to have a credit card. And I say, well, sir, I don't have a credit card. All I have is a debit card, but I promise it'll work and I can still pay you what you need. He said, I'm sorry, sir. It's company policy. I said, so what do you want me to do? He's like, I'm sorry, sir. We can't help you. That's fun to hear when you just got in a big wreck. And so we decide what we're going to do is the savior of so many people is we call Uber right? So we called Uber. Uber was going to take us to wherever we were going to stay. We didn't have a place to stay. So I began to call around all of the hotels in Waco. I didn't mention that it just happens to fall on Baylor homecoming weekend. And as I call all these hotels, um, they kind of laugh at me and they're like, sorry, sir, good luck finding a place. So I called and I called. I couldn't find a place at a hotel. Finally found a place. It was not a hotel. It was a motel. And it had a number right after it, if you catch my drift. And so we get a ride to this motel and we go to our room. And as soon as we walked in, I I thought my sweet wife was going to lose it. It was disgusting. It was a filthy room. I've been to third world countries. I've stayed in a lot of places. And this one was pretty rough. And so we're sitting there and I'm thinking, what can I do? Um, We're stranded. We have a friend, but he's not coming until the next day. So we have to stay in this motel. I said, hey, I'm going to take Ezra, my son. We're going to walk down. Remember, we don't have a car. We're going to walk down to the the store, the gas station, and I'm going to buy some things and bring them back. Have you ever bought groceries at a gas station? Spent about 50 bucks, had three bottles of water and a bag of chips. I brought those back. Um, by the time I got back, my, my wife, she was like, I couldn't do it. She went to the front desk and she was just telling him uh, what we had been through that day. They felt so bad. They were crying. 
She was crying. They went to um, get another room. They actually went in and cleaned it for us. And then we got to go stay in this room. Remember why we went on this trip? To have a peaceful family getaway. And as I'm, I'm sitting there in our bed, um, praying that I don't get bed bugs, uh, I'm sitting there and I, I have God just speak to me. I don't know if you've ever had God speak to you, not in an audible voice, but I just felt him talking to me. And he said this to me. He said, you don't have peace because you're not in control of what's happening. But you could have peace if you have faith in me, the one who does have control. I slept good that night, knowing that my faith was not in the situations, but my faith was in the one who controlled the situations. There's a, a greeting in the Hebrew language um, when they see somebody, Jewish people, when they see or they're leaving someone, they say shalom. And shalom means peace. It means peace to you. As you leave them, it's peace to you. Shalom. And so what I thought we could do today is talk about what it looks like to have peace in your home. And so we're going to call it Shalom in the Home. Thought you'd like that one. Joshua 24, 15 says this. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, some of you know this verse, you may even have it in your house. As, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, a man of, of strong faith, a man who had um, great peace in his life because he had seen God do so many things. Remember, Joshua was with Moses when they led the people out of slavery from Egypt. He was gonna be a part, Moses' right-hand man, leading them into the promised land. He was one of the spies that they sent. There were 12 spies. Joshua was one of them. They sent him in to check out the promised land. They came back, 10 of the 12 gave bad reports saying, nope, God said we could do it, but we can't. There's no way we can go into this land. They're big. We just can't handle this. Joshua was one of those who came back and said, yeah, there's, it's crazy in there. It's, it's the big things that we're gonna have to go against, but our God is bigger. And he had faith in what God was gonna do. But because of their disbelief, God said, okay, you're not gonna go to the promised land. You're gonna go out into the desert. You're gonna walk around until all of you who did not have faith in what I was gonna do, you're gonna pass away. You're never gonna go to the promised land. And that happens. Most of them die. Moses dies. And who takes over to lead the people? Joshua. Joshua was one of the people who led the Israelites into the promised land. Remember Jericho? One of the first places they had to go against had the giant wall. God gave him this crazy plan about, hey, you're just gonna walk around the wall and you're gonna yell and I'm gonna make the wall come down. Joshua's like, all right, I have faith in you. I'm gonna do it. Does it, the wall comes down. Joshua had seen God do so many amazing things that he had a peace about knowing who God was and what God could do. And remembering all these things in his life, he gathered all the Israelites together one more time because he knew he was about to die. 
He knew that his, his life had come to an end. He gathered them all around and he gave them this kind of challenge. He said, hey, you need to decide today who you're gonna serve. You can serve the gods of the past. You can serve the gods of the people that used to be in this land that we now inhabit, or you can be like me and my family and you can serve the Lord. He wanted to challenge everyone. And my prayer today is that we are challenged by what God wants for us to help us find peace, find shalom, in our homes. And here, it, it, here's where it starts. And if you're taking notes, please write this down. The first thing is, it starts with you. Catch how Joshua um, says at the end of this verse, what he says. He doesn't say, as for you guys. He doesn't say even as, as my family. He doesn't say as, as those people over there, they, we're gonna serve the Lord. What does he say? He says, as for me. Isn't that interesting? That he knows that the one person that he can um, lead and control is himself. And I believe the same thing is true for us. You wanna see peace in your home? Guess who it starts with? You. It starts with me. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord no, no matter what role you play. Your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your child, your aunt, your uncle, your grandmother, your grandfather, or even if you live at your house all by yourself, it all starts with you. There's three things that, that comes to um, starting with you. And I told Pastor Scott this. I said, Scott, within my first point, I have three points. He goes, dude, that's the Trinity, three and one. So we're gonna go through this real quick. The first thing is starting with you, your priorities, your priorities. What are your priorities? If I were to ask you to make a top five list of the priorities in your life, what would be number one? Is faith even in that? Is God in that list or is God something that comes when you have time? Somebody told me a long time ago, if you're questioning, you're like, I have so many priorities. I have a lot of things I do in my life. Somebody told me this, what gets your time and your money is your priority. That stung back then, it still stings today a little bit. This is how the Bible says it, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I know this, there is no greater peace than to know that you have a relationship with God. The Bible even says that it's a peace that passes all understanding. When you deal with things in your life that you don't understand, that make no sense at all, it's okay because you have a peace because of the relationship you have in the one who does understand everything that happens in your life. What's on your top list? If you don't have a relationship with God, that is your first priority, is to understand what it means to have fellowship with God, to have faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And that's when you get that peace that passes all understanding. If you already have that, my question for you is, where is that faith? Where is God in your priority list? So it starts with you, priorities. The second thing is prayers. 1 John 5.14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
Isn't that interesting that you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have access to the creator of the universe? Not only do you have access and you can have conversation and you can talk with him, but anything that goes with his will, you can ask for and he is going to hear it. So when it comes to peace in your home, the question should be, if I ask for peace, is that something that God wants? Is that in his will? Does he want that for my family? And the answer is yes. When you look in the Bible and you look at the fruit of the spirit, You've heard that. Some of you've heard the song. There's the fruit of the Spirit. These are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, which means these are the characteristics of God. And listen to what they are. Love, joy, and what's the third one? Peace. It's a characteristic of who God is. So if you were to ask, does God want that for me? Does he want that for my family? The answer is yes. Not only does prayer connect you with God and give you access for these things. Also, there's some science in this. Any, any scientists out here? We're gonna talk a little science today. Nobody likes science. Also, I'm gonna be talking to myself. When you pray, it actually increases your positive brain chemicals. Dopamine and serotonin are released in your body when you are talking to God Almighty. Not only does that happen, but when you pray and these chemicals are released, it helps lead you to have improved self-control. How many of us in here this morning need help with self-control? How many of you, your New Year's resolutions have been down the drain since the 15th? <laughs> when you spend time connecting to God in prayer, it can actually help you with your self-control. And lastly, with prayer, praying for someone increases your willingness to forgive someone. Whew. I don't know about you, but I've had family members. I've had things in my home. I've had friends who have had things in their home where there was some not good relationships, some things that needed to be worked on, some, some deep hurt and deep anger towards some people in their lives. Here's the thing. When you pray for someone, it is so difficult to be angry with someone. It helps you soften your heart to be more like God's heart, to be willing to offer forgiveness to people in your life who have hurt you. Third thing is promises. You got priorities, prayers, and promises. Honor your word. Be a man and a woman of your word. Think about that for a second. How many arguments do you know that have started in your home by saying this? You said... Oh, but you said, dot, 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 be a man and a woman of your word. And listen to me, when I, I'm preaching a message to you, but guess who's getting this message right back? This is me. God convicted me on a lot of this stuff as we talk about it. Ecclesiastes 2.5 says this, it is better to make no promise at all than to make a promise and not keep it. Do you know the, the one person in any situation that you get to control is? You. Do you know who the most difficult person in your life is gonna be for you to lead? You. I wanna encourage you today. And I don't know, I don't know who this is for, um, but I wanna encourage you. If you have some relationships in your life 
where there's anger and there's hurt, and maybe you haven't talked to somebody in your family for a couple of years, I just want to encourage you to be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Even if you had nothing, to, even if you think it's ridiculous why they're mad, even, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you to be a peacemaker because here's what I know. I know that life is short. The Bible says that life is but a vapor. It's a cloud of smoke that appears and it disappears. We have a short time here on earth and I know that God doesn't want us to live in anger. God has called us to be a peacemaker. Romans 12, 18 says this, if possible, which I understand some, sometimes it's impossible to make things right. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live in peace with all people. I just wanna encourage you with that this morning. I don't know your family dynamics, but I just want you to know if that's you this morning, I wanna encourage you to be a peacemaker. As long as it depends on you, live in peace with all people. When it comes to peace in your, ho- in your home, who does it start with? You, okay? The second thing is speak in love. Speak in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Why do you think it is that we speak some of the most horrible things to the people that we say we love the most? It could be because you're with them all the time and they get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. But, but do you see that often in your, in your families and in your life? The people you care about the most are the ones you say things that are, that are the most hurtful. And so we're gonna go back into science a little bit and we're gonna break something down because I think there's some, something we can understand about ourselves and about our brains. Any brain surgeons in here? That's good because I don't want you to call me out if I say something wrong about this, okay? So your brain, you actually have what's considered three brains. Some of you are like, I knew I was really smart, but you have three brains, okay? And so the first part of your brain is called the neocortex. It's the big part. Like it takes up the most of your brain. And in this, is your language, is abstract thought, imagination, reasoning, and rationalization. So most people would say this is the smart part of your brain, okay? In the middle of your brain, you have what's called the mammal brain, okay? And it is your limbic system. And in this part of your brain, you have emotions, you have memories, you have habits, and you have attachments. And then you have a third part of your brain, which is called the reptilian part, okay? And this is what's called the lizard brain. I don't know if you've heard anything about this. It's very interesting. So your lizard part of your brain is a small part that's in the back of your head and it sits on top of your spinal cord, okay? And in this part of your brain, you have fear, you have aggression, you have dominance. This is where you get territorial. This is your animal instincts, When you think about an animal and how an animal responds, it's because this is the only part of the brain they have. But we have this as well, and it sits in the back. And here's the scary thing. It takes your your frontal lobe, it takes your neocortex, about three to five seconds to respond to things. Your lizard brain responds to things right away. Example, you're at home, somebody who you care about deeply says something to you that's hurtful, 
And what do you do? You lash out and you say something right back, really hurtful. And as it's traveling in the air, you see the words about to hit their ears and you just reach out because you're like, oh no. You reach out and you want to grab them and stuff them back in because you realize that what you said is going to be hurtful. That's your lizard brain. Your lizard brain responds right away and it does whatever it needs to do to protect you. Interesting, right? I'll give you an example of, of myself. So I went to the rodeo on Wednesday. I took my kids. It was the bull riding. They've never been before. It was awesome. We're sitting there having a great time. And then a little over halfway through, a group of 20-somethings who apparently have been having a good time somewhere else decided to show up, sit right behind us. I'm fine with that. We're sitting there. One of the gentlemen, um, every time somebody falls off a bull, which heads up, bull riding, that happens, he would say something and it would be very inappropriate, especially for my 11 and my nine-year-old. So I'm sitting there. He does it a couple times. After about the third time, I give him this glance, right? I just turn around. I did it for a couple reasons. I wanted him to know, hey, this is not appropriate, but also I wanted to see how big he was. <laughs> just in case I don't need to turn around anymore. So as I turn around, I look, I come back, and then the smart part of my brain catches up about three to five seconds later, and it says, calm down, big guy. Uh, it says, look at your kids. They're not even paying attention to the guy behind you. They are so interested in this rodeo. Everything is going to be okay. So if we know this, and if you didn't know, you know now, you have a lizard part of your brain, and it responds usually in a bad way. And if we know that's the first part of your brain to respond, if we're to speak in love, what should we do to make sure that we speak in love? Well, for me, I go to the Bible and I look and I see what love is. And if you go to, to 1 Corinthians, it's a verse that's said at weddings so often. And the first word that describes love is love is patient. To protect yourself, to make sure that you speak in love before you speak, I wanna encourage you to be patient. Let the smart part of your brain catch up with the lizard brain to help you rationalize and make a good, de good decision on what you are about to say. Because you need to realize that people in your life may be in different spots. Mentally, physically, if, if you have kids, a child's brain doesn't fully de develop till around 25, which means their lizard brain takes over a lot. And my wife and I were talking about this and we say lizard brain versus lizard brain is no good. Be patient, speak in love and do it often, which leads to our last point, And that is stay consistent, stay consistent. In that verse that Joshua gives us, it says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And when you translate, we will in the English version, um, it is a, a future tense, right? Like we are going to do it. But what's really interesting is the original text is in Hebrew and we will is actually translated, it's a continuous action. It's not something we're gonna do later on. It's something we did yesterday. We're gonna do today and we will do in the future. Think about that when it's talking about staying consistent with what you do. Joshua was affirming that I have chosen today, I've chosen this morning, I've chosen this afternoon, I've chosen tonight, and I will choose tomorrow to serve the Lord. 
there's a, a plant. Anybody have a green thumb in here? I'm not a big green thumb person. But I, as I studied this, I realized there's actually a plant called peace in the home. And, and the thing about this plant, it's a, it's a smaller plant, but it grows very fast. And this is what I noticed and I thought was interesting. When this plant receives enough light consistently, it starts to produce a little light flower. I think the same is true for us and our homes. The more we consistently pour in peace to our homes, we actually get to see it produce. When, when, we, when it receives it, it produces. You wanna see peace in your home? Then let your home receive that from you and see what it produces. There's a biblical principle. It's called you reap what you sow. And reaping is, it's, a, it's farming terms. Reaping is when you go to a harvest after it's fully grown and you get to receive it all. You get to take the goodness of all your work. The working part is the sowing. It's sowing the seeds. It's putting time and effort into um, your crop and, and watching it grow. And then you get to reap from it. And I want you to hear what it says in James 3.18 about peacemakers. It says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. When we sow peace into our lives and into our families, into our homes, we get to reap a harvest of righteousness, of goodness. You wanna know peace? You gotta sow peace. Peace is not perfection in the home. And I want you to hear me say that. No home is perfect. And peace is not that perfection. Peace is not even about avoiding conflict. Peace is the continuous response to the conflict in your life and in your home. So something I wanna challenge you to this week, and it's not a, it's not a big deal, um, doesn't take a lot of time, but I wanna encourage you. There's a, a verse in Luke and in Luke, you see Jesus with disciples and he has 72 of them. And he's about to send them out into the towns and the cities before he goes into these towns, kind of get them ready for who's coming. And so he sends them out. But before he sends them out, he knows that they're gonna go into these homes and talk to these people. It's so interesting what he says in Luke 10, five. He says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. That's my challenge for you this week. You're gonna, you're gonna leave your house for a lot of reasons. You gotta go to work. Um, you may have to go to ball games, to practices. You may go hit the gym, whatever it may be, go out to eat. But I wanna encourage you every time this week when you get back home, when you turn that car off, before you take a step out, I want you to close your eyes, to pray to God and say, God, peace be to this house. I think if you have that on your heart and that's something you want in your family, in your life, and in your home, and you sow that into your house and you do it lovingly, consistently, I'm telling you, it's gonna change your life and it's gonna change your home to be more like what God wants it to be like. So before you get out, say those words, God, peace be to this house. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for the peace that you have allowed us to have that passes all understanding when we have a, 
a relationship with you. God, I pray this morning, I pray that you have stirred something in our hearts like I know you've stirred in my heart to pay more attention to how we lead, how we do things at our home. God, I pray that we realize it starts with, with us. I pray that we realize in everything we do, we need to speak in love, knowing what we know about our brains. May we be patient before we say something that we're gonna regret. And lastly, God, I pray that we do these things constantly. May it be a continuous action in our lives and in our homes. And God, I pray that over time, we get to reap a harvest of righteousness and we get to see our families change forever. We love you so much. We thank you for all you've done, all you're doing and all you're gonna do. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.